Welcome to the Lutheran Outdoor Ministry Podcast. This is the place to be to hear all the latest news and information about the world's finest outdoor ministry network. And now, as always, here's your host, the Executive Director of Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, Mr. Don Johnson. Hi, everybody in LOM land. We're really happy about having this opportunity for an LOM and other LOM podcast. And our person to interview today is uh, this is a what goes around comes around opportunity because when we first started doing LOM podcasts, the very first podcast was done with Jake Sorensen, the founder of Sacred Playgrounds. And um, Jake is uh, the person we're going to be talking with in this podcast. We're excited about that. We're happy about that. And Jake is um, going to be talking with us about the very significant research project he's had going. Uh, why are we surprised that we're talking about research project with Jake Sorensen? In LOM, we're so proud of you, Jake, and so uh, I feel so good about all the work that you've been doing and so much research uh, on the impact of Christian summer camp and you being a Lutheran. You've been so helpful to so many of our Lutheran camps and all of LOM. So this is an opportunity for us to say thank you for that. But your new, um, this new project you've had going, I guess it's not so new to you anymore, but it's uh, new to a lot of folks finding out about it. It is called Camp to Congregation, and it studies the impact of Lutheran camp, day camp programs, traveling day camp program, deployed day camp programs in partnership with congregations. So uh, that's uh, the latest project. Jake, I'm going to ask you to start off by telling us uh, a little bit about um, how it is that this particular project came about. Hey, Don. Thanks so much for having me again. This is uh, It's really fun to be with you again and to talk about this topic. You know, traveling day camp is something that has been exciting to me in in my years in camping because that was one of the the main things that I did as as a, as a summer staff member because um, I was a young summer staff member I went out on a lot of traveling day camps and and uh, got to know a lot of churches in that way and that's one of the the ways that I was uh, able to discern a call to ministry um, was through interacting with different pastors and communities like that uh, so I was really excited when this project came about um, you know we've we've focused mostly in, in at sacred playgrounds on the overnight summer camp experience and um, I got a call from uh, some friends at the Lilly endowment um, and they said we have some interest in looking at this new model of ministry it's this new model of ministry um, that's that's going on in a few of these uh, evangelical camps um, in our area, and they're sending out uh, groups of counselors to um, congregations, and they're running day camp programs deployed. Um, and it's this, you know, sort of a traveling day camp. And I, I said, "Wow, this is great. This is something I'm very familiar with." And so it was, it was, it was really a surprise to me that uh, this this had been relatively unknown in the evangelical community for the many decades that Lutherans have been doing this. 
And so the Lutheran camps have been doing this ministry since the mid to late 1970s. You know, it's, it, it, it started uh, Jerry Olstead when he was out at, um, in Oregon um, at, the, at the Lutheran um, Outdoor Ministries there. Um, started this program as a way to reach out to uh, congregational ministries. And then after he became a national camping director, he really, he was able to spread the, the good news about this program and the success of this program. So, you know, it took hold in, in many of our Lutheran camps in the 1980s and then on into the 1990s. And so, you know, it's, it's about 75% of our LOM camps do a traveling day camp program, but it has been relatively unknown in other circles. And so it was really fun to to get this call and to hear about the interest in this new program, new innovative program. And I was really curious to, to hear, you know, how did this come about that the evangelical camping group, uh, specifically this camp called Spring Hill in Indiana and in Michigan, you know, kind of came up with traveling day camp on their own independently. And what are some of the similarities and differences between the two different models? And what might we learn about the success and the best practices and the impact of traveling day camp by comparing these two models that are that, that, that came up independently of one another. One that's been longstanding, it's been around for decades, and one that um, had its inception in, in 2006, really small, and then grew and really exploded um, into a, a very large ministry today. And so Spring Hill, I mean, they now are operating over 100 day camps a summer. Wow. And 16,000 campers are going through their day camps. And so their, their smallest day camps are the size of, you know, kind of some of our largest LOM ones. So, so th their smallest ones would be 90 or 100 kids. And their largest ones are 400 kids um, at a day camp ministry. So it's, it's just a totally different scale. And they also have some different programmatic things that I hope we get into. And uh, so, because we, I think we can learn a lot both sides. And so I, I've been talking with Spring Hill about things that they can learn from the Lutheran model. And I'm really excited to share with our LOM uh, colleagues about what we can learn from the Spring Hill model. So, so Spring Hill and some of the other e evangelical camps, how long has Spring Hill been doing it? Is it rather recent? But, yes. Uh, so, so 2006 was kind of their, their pilot program. Yeah. And then they really started ramping it up after, after some initial successes. They did, you know, two or three sites just to kind of see if it's, this is going to work. Then they really started ramping up. And by 2010, they were doing uh, scores of these day camps. And then, then it, kept, it kept going. And, and so they've, they started in their immediate area. Their main camp is in Michigan. And they also have a second site in, in Indiana. And so most of their day camps were popping up around those camps. But since about 2011, 2012, they've really started to expand. And now they've got day camps over in Wisconsin into Iowa, down into Georgia. And so they're, they're really expanding their reach of where they're, they're extending their day camps. That's amazing. And, and when they were getting started up, were they, so to speak, inventing it uh, um, on their own? Or were they looking to some of the others, like the ones in the LOM network that you referred to, that have been doing it for the past 40 or more years? I mean, in some ways, it's really tragic that there wasn't more communication between the, the camping networks because they could have learned a lot from the Lutheran day camp model. Um, but there wasn't much communication at all. And they, they really did come up with it and innovate a program on their own that looks a lot like the traveling day camp that the Lutheran churches, Lutheran camps have been doing for, for decades um, with some key differences. And so you can really see that there are some 
uh, some ways that this was their own program. And so they, be, uh, yeah, we, we, I, I definitely want to get into some of those key differences. Um, but before we go into uh, some of the details like that, I'd just like to uh, hear a, a little bit more. Was this project totally funded by Lilly? And uh, how many camps did this involve? Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for backing up. So we, when, when we were starting to, to, to talk about this project, it was, it was originally going to focus on Spring Hill because they have so many day camps. And so looking at the impacts of this new ministry and see if we could kind of spread the word about this. So kind of the, the, the funding organization, Lilly Endowment, found out that, oh, there's all these other ministries that are doing traveling day camp as well. And, and I floated the idea of doing some comparison studies. Um, they were really excited about that. And so was Spring Hill, frankly. They were, they were excited to learn from, from other groups. Um, and they're very open to that. What we decided to do was to um, center the project on Spring Hill and their ministries um, and their model, and then look at, for comparison purposes, some of the um, LOM camps that have been doing traveling day camp for a lot of years and focusing kind of in their immediate area. So we started in those areas of Michigan and Indiana. And so um, the, the first camps that we got on board were Living Waters uh, Ministries in, in Michigan, and then Lutheran Outdoor Ministries of Indiana and Kentucky down yeah. in Indiana, because, because they both operate traveling day camp programs. Then we kind of expanded out from there and, and, and talked to a few other camps that might have some interest, um, because we wanted to, I wanted to get a, you know, four or five of our uh, Lutheran camps for comparison purposes. And so the ones that ended up uh, joining out of the project were Crossways in Wisconsin um, and Iwalu in Eastern Iowa. Um, so kind of all within the geographical reach of Spring Hill, um, we thought that would be good for comparison purposes. When you did the survey, was it summer of 2019? Yeah, so this was actually a huge project. So Lilly Endowment, because of their generosity and um, their deep pockets, they were able to fund a really ambitious project. And so we actually had six different phases to this project. So the first thing that we did was we built off of the the OMC survey that we've been doing for years with, with LOM. And we looked at the, the, the camps that have been doing traveling day camp and we surveyed camp directors to find out different models of traveling day camp and not just in LOM circles, but in, in um, the Presbyterians have also really started to do traveling day camp, especially since the, 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 the economic downturn in 08, 09, they've really started to ramp up their uh, day camp program. So now almost a third of Presbyterian camps are doing traveling day camp. And it's also um, catching on in the Methodist churches or Methodist camps as well. And then we looked at some of the evangelical camps. So that was kind of one of the first things we did uh, to look at the landscape. And then we went to uh, congregational leaders and did some interviews with congregational leaders that had hosted day camps to hear about some of the impacts and some of the best practices that, that they saw. And then the most ambitious part of the project was to go to the parents. And we tried to do a pre and post survey of the parents and their family experience of day camp. And so we went to these congregations and went through the congregational leaders to get parents of the young children that were involved in the congregation. Some of them attended day camp in the summer of 2019 and some of them didn't. And so we actually had a control group. Uh, these, these kids that were involved in Sunday school or whatever, or, or the kids ministry there, um, and then some went to day camp, some didn't, and see, was there any difference between the ones that went to day camp and the ones that didn't? So we surveyed them in the spring of 2019, and then again in the fall of 2019, to get their impressions of day camp ministries, um, of the ministries of their congregation, 
and then some of their uh, family faith practices. We also wrapped into this a survey of summer staff members at the, at the um, participating camps to see what the impacts were on the summer staff members. And we did a survey of the leaders of congregations who hosted day camp to find out from their perspective um, after day camp was done in the fall of 2019 to look back and say, what were some of the impacts that you observed of these day camp programs? And so we really have a multi-dimensional look at what uh, day camp ministry is and does um, in the congregations and camps oh, and families. That's incredible. And what a great thing that Lily Endowment was willing to fund that. Not only willing, but proactive in, um, in uh, getting it to happen. So um, kudos to Lily for partnering with you and with all of us really in, in this. And this is really timely because in summer of 2020, I'm not aware of any of our LOM camps that was able to do uh, the traveling day camp thing. That's been particularly sad that that's been, because it's become such a significant and prominent uh, part of what our camps provide by way of ministry in the summer. But I'm sure that this is timely because now all of our camps are going to be gearing up for a summer of 2021. And I'm sure that the results of your project are going to be very interesting and applicable to what they're going to be doing for planning for the summer of 2021. So that's really my hope, Don, is that yeah. they can use this, you know, hiatus of 2020 as a time to really rethink and if need be reset some of their day camp uh, priorities and their ministries. A lot of the camps, and this we found this in the, in the camp leader survey, was a lot of them are rethinking day camp and are wondering, is this a valuable ministry? Should we keep going with this ministry? Um, and it was, it was surprising. It was, it, was a, it was a clear divide between our Lutheran camp directors and all of the others that responded to the survey including Presbyterians, Methodists, and the Evangelicals. Our Lutheran camp directors were much less excited about day camp ministry, and they, um, as a whole, as a group, gave much less priority to this ministry than some of these other programs that have recently begun the programs and said it's growing, it's exciting, we're putting resources there. And so it almost seems like, in LOM at large, that day camp is, all, is, is sort of a sick ministry. It's, it's a ministry that people are saying, how much do we value this? Do we need to keep going with this? Should we? Um, and how do we move forward? And so my hope is that with a hiatus in 2020, that gives our LOM camps a chance to pivot and say, this is how we want to re-envision our traveling day camp ministries uh, for the future of this camp. Wow. That is a very interesting observation, Jake. It seems deeper than simply a case of the novelty of it wearing off. And uh, because it seems like uh, what you're saying is that our LOM camps are questioning whether it's even worthwhile from the standpoint of impact, you know, and is, uh, uh, and, and I know that so much of the, uh, the LOM 
traveling day camp thing. I mean, I mean a big part of it has been um, introducing camp to more and more people and getting more and more people interested in going to overnight camp and those kinds of things. But I also think there was a genuine interest in partnering with congregations in ways that would help congregations be stronger. Uh, I know when I was a camp director in New England, a big part of our day camp was, uh, program was um, focused on inner city congregations and helping them to be become rerouted in their own neighborhood. And day camp was an ideal thing to help them become rerouted in their own neighborhood and those kinds of things. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, uh, that that's of some concern to me hearing your observations in that way and um uh, yeah it was concerning to me as as we were uncovering this more and more as we you know and even when we were originally recruiting lom camps to participate we had some no's simply because you know we're not doing well in this ministry we either we need to rethink it or quit doing it or we're thinking about stopping this ministry altogether um, and, and so that was some, that was some of our first indication that, um, some of our LOM camps have really been pulling back. And the, the, the thing about LOM is our directors talk to one another. And so they're talking about, um, how the ministries are going. And so when some are thinking about pulling back in this ministry, that tends to spread to, to some of the other, uh, members of our, of our network. Um, and so we've got some that have, that have canceled their day camp programs altogether. Um, longstanding day camp ministries. And so I was actually at the, the youth ministry extravaganza um, this past, what was it, January, February, whenever it was, um, yeah. and did a, did a presentation on the, this, this project on, on traveling day camp ministry. And there were some, some youth ministers who came to me afterwards and, and talked about the deep hurt that their congregations had because the camps had either pulled back funding for, for day camp or had canceled the program altogether. Um, and so it was actually something that that hurt the relationships with congregations. And of course, day camp was originally meant to support these partnerships and enhance these partnerships among congregations um, for the mutual benefit um, so that the camps had something valuable to provide to congregational ministries, something that went beyond VBS um, and something that could, could inject some, some, some excitement into the program, some, some of the camp excellence in terms of games and songs and skits and worship um, and the young adults coming into the community. Those were the elements that um, Jerry Olstead and all the others at the beginning of, of Traveling Day Camp saw that they could inject into um, a congregational environment. And they also recognized that this is something that, that fosters um, goodwill among folks in the congregations, uh, bringing in donations, bringing in more campers. And in Ralph Urenberg's history of the American Lutheran Church camping, he actually talks about day camp being part of the catalyst that that led to more of the elementary school ministries in the overnight camp programs. I think in somehow there there's become a disconnect along the way about the importance of traveling day camp. And I, I think it's time to rethink the importance of it and how we do it. And I think the project can help. You know, you mentioned that day camp is um something uh, different from vacation church school. And I, in my mind, that, that's absolutely true. That, um, and from anything I've observed, that it's such an improvement on the traditional VCS program. 
And at the same time, uh, I'm asking, is it your feeling or your finding that many of the congregations that partner with camps on traveling day camp are doing it instead of uh, vacation Bible school, instead of VBS? Are they doing it? I mean, one of the reasons it in some good demand among our congregations is because they were running out of ways to run VBS. They were running, they didn't, they were having trouble getting volunteers and so forth. So the traveling day camp was um, a good replacement for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's definitely value added in replacing it, but nevertheless, um, I'm not sure the congregations see it as uh, different from, and I, I think you're hitting on a key, a key part here of, of why it's begun to be de devalued is because it has become um, sort of a fallback for VBS. In fact, some of our LOM camps don't call it day camp. They call it VBS yeah. because from a marketing standpoint, the congregations recognize VBS. And that's something that they want to do or they've been doing for a while. And so the idea is, hey, we can help you do VBS. And what that oftentimes turns into, and this is where the camps, camp directors get, get frustrated and, and, and disillusioned and say, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. Um, when congregations are using the summer staff members as um, replacements for their volunteers and just letting them run the whole program, you know, then you don't have that partnership as much. And so you get, you know, three or four summer staff members and you get 20 kids or 21 kids or 19 kids. And um, there, there isn't a lot of vibrancy in the program. There's not a lot of interest in the congregation necessarily. Um, and camp directors then start to wonder, should we keep going with this? Is this something that's valuable? And um, frankly, a lot of our camps are losing money on the programs because they're not covering the cost of staffing it um, and sending the vehicles out to these programs and um, even getting pushback from some congregations about the cost um, of the programs. Yeah, and then not seeing the return with participants in the traveling day camp coming to overnight camp and that's been part of the thing too. Well, that's been one of the, that was actually one of the interesting things in the camp director survey, you know, and I, I, I like to bring that up just because you know, when we asked about, hey, how's the ministry going? Um, is, it, is it growing? Is it shrinking? Is it a priority? You know, the LOM camps were kind of mostly lukewarm. Some of them were saying, yes, it's a priority. But about half of them were saying, you know, it's not, it's not a huge priority or it's, it's holding steady and it's fine. Um, and then another quarter of them were saying it's declining or it's not a priority at all. But then when you ask about impacts, like, what are the impacts you've observed? There's all these glowing reviews that the camp directors have about what um, Traveling Day Camp does in terms of bringing campers into camp, in terms of strengthening the ministry and congregations. And so they, they, they can kind of see where the impacts are. Um, but it becomes, I think, harder and harder for some of our directors to justify keeping the ministry going if, you know, if money is tight, if they have limited resources in terms of um, even bandwidth, trying to trying to figure out new programs, uh, focusing on their overnight programs, a lot of times seems like the way to go. But the reality right now is we have more and more demand in congregations for traveling day camp programs. And a lot of our camps, when they responded to the survey, said, we could do way more 
because there's so much demand in congregations. The problem is finding enough staff for these and figuring out how we're going to do this financially and staffing wise. Um, and so that's, that's where some of them have, have started to pull back as well. So this is um, obviously a very extensive um, uh, research project that you did. And uh, you had the good fortune of having the resources to be able to pull it off. So Jake, from the research, what would you say to the Lutheran camp director who has discontinued having traveling day camp or is considering discontinuation of their traveling day camp? What, how has the research informed you in what your response would be to that kind of lukewarm excitement about doing traveling day camp? First thing I would say is look at something as simple as this project and the other camps that are doing it right now. It might be true that our LOM camps are a little bit like, oh, we've tried this before, it's not working very well. But the other camps that are getting involved and some of these enormous camps, camps like Pine Cove down in Texas, Forest Home uh, over in California, Spring Hill in, in, in the Midwest, I mean, these huge camps are saying, this is the new frontier. This is the place where we can reach more people. This is the place where congregations get excited about our, our ministries. And so there is, a, there is a deep desire and a need for this right now. And just the fact that Lily Endowment is recognizing it as an innovative new program, <laughs> that should be something that should wake us up in the LOM network and saying, we've been onto something here and it was innovative and new in the 80s and 90s and it generated a ton of excitement among our congregations and among our camps and it fostered a ton of goodwill in our relationships with our congregations. A goodwill that has continued to this day in LOM. And when we look at something like the OMC survey that we've been doing for years, we can see that goodwill and that partnership between our LOM camps and our Lutheran congregations is much stronger than in um, camping networks, even in, in, in the other OMC denominations. And traveling day camp is part of that. And we need to understand that. So, so there, there is great potential here to reach a lot of people. And I think what we learn from these other camps um, and, and looking specifically at the Spring Hill model is we can do this sustainably, we can do it well. Part of it is simply reimagining how the program might look. Uh, I think we've got, we've got stuck in our heads the way that you know, Jerry Olstead started to do it in the 70s and 80s, which was an awesome innovative model. And now we're in a, a, a time where we can do things in a different way um, and, and, uh, and have different impacts. In what you refer to as the Spring Hill model, uh, are all the camps being done in partnership with a congregation? Yes, with few exceptions. So the, the only exceptions would be like if it was a school or another parachurch ministry that was... But um, it's a congregation that's um, figuring out where, where it's going to take place and all that kind of thing. You got it. You got it. It's, yeah. it's almost always a congregation. A lot of times with these big evangelical mega churches. But not always. Some of the times they're they're smaller congregations that do similar things to what our at our best our LOM day camps do. They get people from the communities, you know. So these small communities, the church becomes a central hub. Maybe they partner with other <laughs> denominational churches and they get kids from the community, and they end up with you know a hundred kids. 
our LMM directors will attest to this. When there's great excitement among the community members and among the people who are hosting the program, then the word gets out and you get a bunch of people there. And, and that becomes a, a really positive thing for the community. And are they typically um, week-long sessions or are, that are going um, uh, for more than one week with the traveling? Yeah. So let's look at the similarities first. <clears throat> it looks so much like the LOM model of traveling day camp. They send out trained summer staff members. These summer staff members stay in host families' homes for the week. They interact with members of the community. They run the program generally starting Monday and going through Friday. And so they do just days and it's, they run a little bit longer. Usually it's eight to four instead of a lot of our, a lot of our LOM camps are either nine to three or, you know, sometimes they're shorter than that depending on the congregation. Um, but they have a very, a very consistent model about how they, how they operate their day camps. Uh, they're always week long. They're always in congregations. And so they, they look very similar in that sense, in, in form, to what we do in the Lutheran uh, model. Now there are a few exceptions in Spring Hill where they'll they'll be at the same site for two weeks, but that that's because of capacity. You know, when they when they have these mega churches, they might cap it at four hundred kids, and then do two weeks in a row at the same church where there's four hundred kids. And so it really that's is mind-boggling. Four hundred. So we had we had four of us were site visitors. Um, we went to sixteen different day camp sites last summer in 2019 um, yeah. and, and a, a large portion of them were Spring Hill sites and it was really exciting to to go in and kind of see the way things were working and and and, and see things in action okay so um, Jake what are some of the key innovative things new things different things that you're seeing in the Spring Hill model that you think can be valuable for the LOM network? This is important and it has to do with when it was founded. And so you remember our traveling day camps were founded in the late 1970s, early 1980s. Most of our camps didn't have, you know, big dining halls, big retreat facilities, didn't have, you know, indoor plumbing, things like that. The model was send out these trained summer staff members. They can do the small groups. They can bring the camp games. We're going to bring camp to the congregation. That was what day camp was. Um, it has morphed into, it's just going to be a VBS for some of our camps. When Spring Hill started in 2006, 2007, they said, we are going to export camp. Everything about camp, all of the, all of the, the, the elements of, of the camp experience, the Spring Hill experience, they call it, to the congregation. That meant that they're bringing equipment and they're bringing staffing. And so these staff teams that they send out, when we're talking about our LOM day camps, a lot of them are sending out three staff, four staff, five staff. Spring Hill, we didn't see any um, group of staff that was fewer than 20 or 25 staff members. A lot of times it was 30, 35. So you're talking a full, fully staffed operation here where you have leadership staff, you have counseling staff, you have specialist staff, uh, you have staff that are, that are in charge of like leadership development for the, for the, the high schoolers that are helping out. Um, you have staff that are uh, there solely to, to um, be with um, people with developmental disabilities. They call them their inclusion counselors. And so they intentionally reach out to, to young people with special needs. Um, and so they, they have this fully staffed operation. 
and they send out their equipment. And so when I say equipment, <clears throat> they're bringing trailers full of stuff. They're bringing large inflatables, water slides, and uh, obstacle courses. They're bringing their archery. They're bringing paintball targets where the kids can you know, shoot, shoot paintball at, at targets. They're bringing a rock wall so the kids can, can do rock climbing. They're bringing uh, other high ropes elements like a giant swing that they, they, they'll put up somewhere um, and a rope ladder, things like that. So there, there's all these high adventure activities similar to what they have on site at Spring Hill itself. And so they're saying, we wanna export everything that we do. And because Spring Hill on the, the on-camp property has a, has a big focus on some of these high adventure things, they export those to the day camp experience. And then their, you know, their, their Bible study and things look similar to the on-camp as well. And does the camp uh, in the Spring Hill model charge the congregation for this, or is in, is the congregation passing that on to a camper fee for participation? How, how's the financing working with that? This is one of the key things that I think our LOM camps can really learn from this. Because of online registration, Spring Hill never even thought of something like, hey, we'll just charge the congregation and let them bring the kids in. That is the LOM model in most places. The Spring Hill model is, we are going to register kids for camp. And so the, the, the kids register through the Spring Hill system. They fill out a registration form. So they have all the contact information, everything for, for every camper um, to send follow-ups and things like that. And the fee is much higher. And so when we look at the fee structures of, of these different camps, when we're looking at LOM, the fee structure varies from, from camp to camp. But in general, it ends up being somewhere around $60 per camper. You know, when you think of the number of staff that are being sent out or the, the fee structure, the number of campers that are going to be there. Um, for Spring Hill and for these other evangelical camps, the, the fee is going to be closer to $200 or even $250. Now, this does a couple things. I mean, one, it, it does price some people out. But the Spring Hill has something built in where the congregation is required to uh, put some money up front that goes specifically to camperships. And so when they send out a team, they say, all right, congregation, we need you to fund this many camperships. And so maybe it's, you know, 15 camperships. Well, that's $3,000. You know, that's, that's a, a lot of our LOM camps will charge something like that. For, for the whole thing. But what they can do then is use that money for scholarships for the families that can't afford to come. And so that's, that's how they, they do their fee structure. So the, yes, the congregation does have some, some skin in the game, um, but a lot of it's passed on to families. Now, when you think of day camp programs, I mean, I've got kids that are, you know, middle school and high school right now. I send them to YMCA day camp and they meet, you know, an hour and a half or two hours a day for a week. And it's called, you know, basketball camp or whatever. And we're paying 60, 80 bucks, you know, a hundred bucks sometimes. And some of these other day camps that, that don't meet the full day, you're spending 120, 150 bucks. And so parents are used to paying a little bit of money for a high quality program. And that, that is where the difference is. How do we see our programs as high quality? It's not just we're sending people out to help you run your VBS program. It's we are running a high quality day camp program at your site. 
And so this was this was sort of uh, an experience that I had as a site visitor when I was when I was out. Usually I would go to one site at the first half of the week and then one site in the second half of the week. One week that I did this, I went to one of our LOM day camps half the week and one of the Spring Hill day camps the other half of the week. When I arrive at Spring Hill, I see a rock wall and I see big inflatables and I see 20 staff. Um, everything's looking very professional. There's a bunch of kids. There's lots of excitement. There's equipment. It looks great. Spring Hill logos everywhere. I go to our LOM day camp and their equipment is whatever they could fit in the back of a minivan. And some of it, like they had a broken hula hoop. I, I remember this broken hula hoop oh. distinctly. Like this is their equipment. Oh. And it's just, it's all junk. And they had, you know, like a, a big tarp that they had cut holes in for like a beanbag toss or something like that. It's like, boy, if I was running VBS at my home congregation, I would come up with better stuff than that. You know, so so upping upping the quality of our uh, programs becomes important. And we can up the quality in some ways um, by upping the equipment, the things that we bring. You know, and um, and maybe that means hauling a trailer. I don't know. But camps can think about this. What does it look like to have a high quality program? What does it look like to bring camp in? You know, so Spring Hill, for instance, would bring in something like a Gaga ball pit and they would construct a Gaga ball pit at the congregation. That is something that's pretty easy to transport from place to place and other things like that. The nine square in the air, whatever. I mean, bringing camp things to the congregation becomes an important piece. You don't necessarily have to take a rock wall, but also the staffing, the staffing becomes so important because when you have, you know, two or three staff members and they are looking at this as a break from their duties on camp, like, oh, finally I get to get to sleep at night or I only have to work from nine to three. And they have that as their mentality. Um, I saw some of these, our Lutheran, our Lutheran staff members who really were looking at it that way and they were burnt out. And they weren't giving it their all, and I could tell. And so could everybody else. So the and I went to Spring Hill, and they've got twenty-five staff members, and they're all high energy and excited. It's a different experience. The overall principle you're laying out here: if you're going to do a day camp, and you want it to represent your camp in the best possible light, you have to put the same kind of planning, the same kind of um, implementation of quality equipment and quality staffing and everything else that you would at your overnight camp because um the parents are going to be seeing this and the parents are going to you've got to instill some confidence in the parents that this is an organization that knows what they're doing yes and that's the difference in his history don and that's that's why i brought up the history because in the 1970s and 80s excellence looked different than it does now yeah. Now parents really are expecting, you know, high quality looking things. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just, it's different. You know, when they come to camp, they want to see, you know, flush toilets and good showers and clean facilities. Uh, they want to see the same at day camp. They want to see, you know, high quality, high quality things. And I, I love the, the idea of shifting the focus for the congregation on paying for the, the day camp to um, paying for the camperships that are going to make it possible for kids to participate in their day camp without regard to their um, financial situation at home and all that kind of thing. Okay, so now, um, th- th- this is just a, a minor piece of it, but 
I would assume that in the Springfield model, there is somebody at the local congregation who's coordinator of um, uh, on-site arrangements, such as uh, places for the staff to stay when they're there, and families who will host them, and and uh, what they're going to do about meals and dinners and all that kind of thing. Um, is is that how they handle it? Yep, they've got they've got volunteers um, and and people on site that are that are kind of the go to people. Um, the other thing that they really do is is encourage uh, congregational members to to be active volunteers there, specifically the high schoolers. And so each of the Spring Hill teams had a staff person who was a who was a leadership person. They were on site. Um, to, uh, to CIT help, uh, leader, <laughs> a CIT. They they called them. They called them CITs. Yeah, yeah. and 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 so they, there were these high school kids, and they met before the the campers arrived with this staff person who kind of gave them the rundown for the day. This is what you're going to be doing. But they also did devotions together, and they did other leadership development pieces together. So they were they were essentially running a leadership development camp program at the same time they were running day camp. And this, this does a couple of things. One, it empowers them for, for congregational ministry. And so you're leaving behind these high school leaders who are now empowered to be uh, more involved in the congregation. But it also gets these, these high schoolers or, or in some cases, late middle schoolers more interested in camp. Um, and, and a lot of those folks then would uh, come on staff at Spring Hill. Because Spring Hill, has, it's such a huge operation. They have so many staff members that they're really looking for feeder programs like that. And so these leadership development programs, doing a CIT program in each of their day camp congregations really lifts up leadership for them. In the Spring Hill model, do the, to the staff who are deployed to the traveling day camp, are they hired exclusively for day camp responsibility in the summer or are they rotating staff in and out of their um, overnight camp? It's mostly the former, so they're they're hired exclusively for day camp because yeah. because it's such an all encompassing ministry, and so they'll actually some of these staff members won't even go back to camp. You know, they'll they'll go from host home yeah. to another host home, so they'll actually take their their day off, and they'll be staying at a host home. And I think that's a tricky model, but we wouldn't necessarily have to do that in our Lutheran camps. Um, but I, I I do think specialization is important, um, yeah. and having people that are excited. And, and do get the, the mission and the vision of what traveling day camp is, that becomes really important. Otherwise it feels like, oh, I wish I was on camp with my friends. Instead, I'm stuck on this traveling day camp. Yeah. Um, and so making sure we instill that into our summer staff members becomes really important. Um, this is the importance of traveling day camp. And, and, I, and I, again, I think part of that is, is resourcing. You know, we need to resource the ministry. That means we need to send out, we, I, I really don't think we can be sending out teams of three staff members. I don't think that's enough. And maybe there has to be, because of that, there has to be um, a lower limit to the number of kids that are at a day camp. Or you say, you know what, we're not going to do day camp at your site unless there's at least, you know, whatever the number is. Um, and we're going to send out at least four or five or whatever the camp decides staff, because this is the core group and that the interaction among the staff becomes important. Um, and that becomes part of the energy um, that that leads to successful traveling day camp programs, and that means that you have to re if you're going to resource it and give staff members, and you're going to you're going to give equipment, then you also need to up the price a little bit. And here we are in a transition year, 
what a perfect time to restructure and say, this is how traveling day camp is going to look moving forward. Now, on your website, which is camp to congregation, two being the numeral two, you talk about three uh, of the most significant findings that seem to run through all of the day camp stuff. And one is that partnership is prioritized, I'm, and that's partnership with the congregation. Um, and um, we've talked uh, quite a lot about that. And also some staff are supported and well-trained. We've talked a lot about that. Uh, a third one that you highlight on the website is experiences are meaningfully interpreted in the context of trusted relationships um, that seems like a natural for camp, but would you um, just talk a little bit more about that particular finding? Sure, sure. Yeah, so these all fit together. I mean, the partnership, you know, really understanding what's the camp's role, what's the congregation's role becomes important. Trained summer staff members becomes really important. And the trained summer staff really help facilitate this third piece. And, and, and what we're talking about here is we're talking about experiential learning. This is something that camps really do well. And we do it well on the camp property. And this is what day camp was originally intended to do. You know, we didn't necessarily need in the 70s and 80s all sorts of equipment because we had these staff members who were trained to um, facilitate a game and then process the activity, you know, in a meaningful way. Um, and that's what we're talking about on day camp too. And that becomes the difference between traveling day camp and VBS. When we have trained staff members who do an activity for a purpose. We're playing this game, but we're not just doing it because it's fun. We're doing it because it's fun, but we can also learn something from it. And so we're building relationships with one another. We're doing activities, and then we're processing these activities in the, in the light of faith, um, in the light of self-confidence, in light of leadership, and things like that. Those are things that we do really well on camp. We need to make sure those things translate to the day camp experience as well. So it doesn't just become, oh, we're doing a rotation. You're going to do an arts and crafts project, which, by the way, most of the arts and crafts project that we encountered at our LOM sites were really lame. Um, and the congregational leaders expressed that, you know, so if you're going to do arts and crafts, make it a decent arts and crafts project. What's the purpose of the arts and crafts project? Make sure there's a there's a lesson to be learned there as well. And so we're talking about. Um, in this in this piece that you mentioned, we're talking about experiential learning and processing that well um, and using the relationships between the, the campers and the staff members to to help to help facilitate uh, the learning. Jake, we are getting uh, near the end of our um, hour long podcast time. And uh, before we close it, I'm wondering if there are um, any additional thoughts that you feel are really important to share at this time? You know, we didn't talk about impact. No. And, and I think that's one of the really interesting things that we looked at with our, with our project was what are the impacts of this ministry? What's the, what's the point of it anyway? Yes, we can look at the developing of partnerships and things like that, but but some of these concerns that camp directors have about, is it really doing what we think it's doing? We looked at impacts in terms of these different metaphors that came up in our conversations with people. And so the first one was this idea of a doorway. Um, that day camp, day camp, it really isn't the primary space. It's a hybrid space. 
it's a hybrid space of the camp and sort of a VBS ministry. And so camp and congregation overlap in sort of this third space. And it serves as a doorway to the primary spaces where there can be more possibly deeper uh, faith forming experiences. And those are the congregation and the camp itself. And so traveling day camp ministries can serve as a doorway to deeper engagement in congregational ministries. And we saw this with congregational leaders. We saw it with parents and we saw it with camp directors. They all identified this as something that happens. There's, there, there, there are, there are, there are young people who maybe are coming to church for the first time. Um, and there are folks that are uh, getting more involved in the congregational ministries um, as a result of traveling day camp. It becomes a, an easy way for people to invite friends. So the doorway to congregational ministry. And this, then there's this idea of the doorway to camp. And that really does, uh, is an impact that we observed. And so this was in our parents survey. Um, and the parents identified that this traveling day camp experience was leading to a camp experience for their young people that they they were either now interested in going to camp or or they weren't interested at all and now they would like to go or they're more interested um and that was in all of the participants that we looked at it was about a quarter of the parents that said yes um they're 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 now interested in going to overnight camps but when we look at our LOM camps it was even higher it was about a third of the participants that said now my my child is interested in going to overnight camp so it really does serve as a doorway in that way the other thing that, that we might look at um, was this, this uh, metaphor of pouring into the kids. So these kids that maybe need some love, uh, maybe need um, some hot meals. And so we went to a, a living water ministry in, in, in rural Michigan that um, a, a lot of these kids were recruited through the local food pantry uh, to, come to this come to this camp. And they, they served them a hot breakfast and a hot lunch. And having those meals became a, a really important part of the ministry of this church and the day camp. Um, and so there, there's, there's this idea that there's some direct impacts as well. There's also direct impacts on faith formation and confidence. One of the, one of the really interesting things that Spring Hill does um, is on the last day of the uh, day camp experience, they do affirmations. And they have these printed out cards where they have um, a spiritual gift listed on the card and kind of where it is in the Bible and, and some things. And they, they tailor these to the kids that the, that, that the counselors have gotten to know. And so they have this whole, this whole ceremony. The parents are invited into the small group. So it's like a, you know, a small group of, of 10, 12 kids and the parents are in there and the counselor is in there and the counselor will take this card and say, you know, little Maddie, come on up here. I want to give you the spiritual gift of generosity. Because, you know, the other day when I, when I, when I, when we were at lunch and you were able to, you, you decided to share your lunch with, with one of your friends. And then when we were waiting in line for the rock wall, you let somebody else go in front of you. And that was really a kind thing to do. And so I think you're very generous. And so they, you know, they, they call out the individual child and the individual traits in the child as spiritual gifts and give them these affirmations. And I talked with parents from these Spring Hill congregations who said, my child has their affirmation from last year hanging on the mirror in their bedroom and they look at it every day. It's, it's one of the keepsakes that they have because this counselor took the time to recognize specific spiritual gifts in that child. And that meant a lot to them. And so I thought that was a really interesting uh, program and something that 
I wish every day camp would do something like that. Thank you. Um, as we started this, you talked about um, some of our LOM camps uh, wondering whether or not they should continue doing day camp. Talked about some that have discontinued doing day camp. In any of the camps that you were involved for this, um, uh, for the uh, Camp to Congregation Research Project, did you? Um, find any congregations that were having questions about it? I mean, you did talk about some of the congregations in the whole Lutheran thing feeling really hurt that they that the camp wasn't doing this anymore and feeling that this, it left a real void. But did you find any congregations that were the, the flip side of that coin? Yeah, yeah. So this was, this was actually really interesting because uh, the longer there had been a partnership with the, with the congregation and the camp, the more forgiving the congregation was. And so I went to one site where the, the summer staff, I mean, they were bad. They were, they were dragging the kids were, the kids were arriving and there were three staff laying on the floor. It was just like, what are you doing? And I, as the camp director in me, the former camp director in me wanted to kick them in the butt, get them up, say, get out there. Come on, you guys, this is, this is the kids moment right now. And you you're sitting on the floor. It was, uh, I was very frustrated. Um, they were very low energy. Um, and, and I asked the, um, the congregational leader about it. And she said, oh, but they're good kids. And we love, we love camp so much. And, you know, so like she was very forgiving of, of this behavior. But we really need to work towards excellence. Because we also saw the flip side of, of, of some congregations saying, you know what? We've been doing this a while, but we... This isn't, this isn't meeting our expectations or our hopes. Either they're sending us the dregs from their summer staff, um, or look, they sent us a broken hula hoop. Like, I, had a, I had a congregational leader hold that up. This is the equipment that they sent. You know, They could have asked me, I would have gone to the dollar store and gotten them some good equipment. I mean, that's, that's poor quality. And so we need to we need to up our game a little bit in some of the, some of our congregations. We could see that in the congregational leader survey too. At the end, um, you know, with with Spring Hill sites, we asked them, "Hey, are you going to do traveling day camp again?" And it's ninety something percent say yes. We're going to do traveling day camp again. It was a great experience. We asked the same with our with our with our LOM um, congregations, and it's something like seventy five percent saying yes. We're going to do it again, and then a bunch are saying, "Well, maybe." You know, they're not quite sure. I really think that has to do with quality because we know that there's a, we know that there's a desire out there and there's a need out there in our congregations. There's creative ways that we can solve this. You know, we don't have to just say, oh, we're going to send three staff members to this congregation so they can have 12 kids go to a VBS program. We could say, no, we need quality. We need excellence. And this is what that means. It means we need at least this many kids. It means we need to send at least this many staff. It means we're going to send this uh, sort of equipment and we're going to really train our staff for a great experience. And because it's a high quality experience, we're going to charge for it. And here's what we're going to charge. And a big part of our camp is all about excitement and kids being enthusiastic. And this is what we need in order to make sure we can we can um, provide for that. Yeah, we've got to put our best foot forward all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And day camp, it's a chance to reach kids that can't come to camp. You betcha. 
it's a chance it's a chance to 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 get our our trained staff members out into communities and impact entire communities and congregations. It's such a such a key part of the ministries of our camps. And it was an innovative model that our camps, our Lutheran camps, came up with. And now it's starting to decline a little bit. Meanwhile, other camps are, are discovering it for the first time and finding it as an amazing ministry and amazing opportunities. And it's time for us to remember that it's an amazing ministry and an amazing opportunity to reach young people and to reach congregations in creative, innovative, uh, and powerfully evocative ways. Jake, thank you very much. You have words of inspiration and words of challenge, words that are important for all of us throughout LON to hear. Um, and I mean, much of your um, encouragement there is um, uh, uh, you know, include valuable lessons for whatever aspect of our outdoor ministry we're involved in. I thank you for that. And by the way, um, just so everybody knows, I thank you for the, your service on the LOM Board of Directors. How uh, fortunate are we in LOM to have people of your caliber on our board of directors. So thank you very much for that. Uh, the results of your research on the day camp, traveling day camp thing, are they on? I, I, do you have a um, report that's on the Camp to Congregation website? Yes, so there are summaries of uh, the findings and we've got some infographics that are, that are up there too. Uh, you can read the, um, the site visit vignettes from each of our site visits to find out what does it look like at these different sites. Um, and how does the partnership look? Um, and then uh, there are different there are reports from each of the the different phases of the findings as well. Um, and there are more things forthcoming, and so we'll keep updating that um, and and keep getting things uh, getting getting things going up there because uh, we're kind of rolling out the findings right now. Awesome, Jake. Thank you so much for all of your ministry, which is so important for LOM, and I know with our colleagues. Uh, especially our colleagues in the uh, associations of the Outdoor Ministry Connection. And uh, we um, will look forward to connecting with you on a frequent basis as we move forward. Thank you so much, Jake. Thanks for having me, Don. Thank you for yeah. your ministry. We will see you around. Take care. Thanks for listening to the only official Lutheran Outdoor Ministry podcast in the entire world. Until next time, check out the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries website or our Facebook page. So long for now from the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries World Headquarters. On behalf of Don Johnson, have a wonderful day.